Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 69, featuring the top five Nog episodes. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks Podcast. And tonight's episode is a little bit of a tough one. We've decided to insert this topic into our rotation that we've been planning uh for the, for the last few months, coming off this really sad news about the passing of the great Aaron Eisenberg recently in September uh, 2019. So, so by this time, there have been—I mean, there's been a lot, hundreds of condolences and remembrances of Aaron and his work, and we've heard a lot of great podcasts about it, and, and really just how hard hitting his death has has been inside the Star Trek community. So, what we're going to try and do tonight is just have a celebration. It's a celebration of Aaron it's a celebration of his work and what and really what he gave to all of us and his portrayal of Nog I'm gonna get emotional talking about it a couple of times because we all know what this character meant to Star Trek and then and meant to all of us so it's just a this is a celebration of Nog and we are doing our top five Nog episodes here on Trek Ranks tonight so with that let's introduce our guest for tonight's show First up, returning for his long overdue second go-around on Trek Ranks is our friend Carl Wonders, who was previously on episode 13, our top five gory moments. Welcome, Carl. Great to have you back, man. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Good good to fit you back in and, and get yeah. you on the show. Sorry for the, uh, the you know the the reason for the show, but it's still going to be worth doing. I think. Yeah, for sure. This is this is a celebration, and and joining us to to be a part of that as well as our second guest is making his debut on Trek Ranks, and he's been heard previously on Trek Ranks because he left us a great voicemail with his top five road trips that you might have heard on episode sixty three when we did our top five costumes. And we always say, you know, if you take the time to leave us a voicemail, we're going to want to pr- probably get you on the show. So we're doing that today with, with Jonathan, who is John Fuchsius Online. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Glad to have you on, man. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jim. This is, this is a real treat for me, uh, even given the subject matter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I'm excited to, to get you on. I really appreciate you taking the time for the send us that great voice, voicemail. And let's get to this because everyone knows our for our first time guests, we like to get a quick Trek origin story just to get kind of your, your Trek backstory and how you got into Trek and, and whether you're a completist or not. What's your Trek backstory? So I've been a Trek fan and I know a lot of people say this, but I, I really mean it as long as I can remember. <laughs> I was probably four or five years old when I first saw an episode of TNG and uh, I've just I've been in love with the, with the franchise ever since. Um, I am a completist, and I'm working my way back through the series. The franchise start to finish now. I'm in the middle of Enterprise Season 3. Season 4 coming up? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have to do that. It's, it's contractual. <laughs> I have to do that. Um, so what, what's your favorite series if, if, for, t- on, on this day? What is your favorite series? Well, on this day, and, and given the research I've been doing, uh, DS9 is probably my, my favorite top to bottom. Uh, but I, I have a soft spot for every series. There's something, there's something I really enjoy about each one. 
Yeah. And by the way, I'll say I've been enjoying your Twitter rewatch recaps of season three of Enterprise. And it, because I, I mean, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's some tough ones in there, but uh, I think, I think we've been pretty close on, on everything in terms of how you've been looking at it. It's really cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, as I've said in my, at one point I said, I, I do enjoy enterprise and all of it on the balance. Uh, there's just, you know, just a few stinkers here and there. But. Yeah. I mean, when you, when, listen, when you have to watch extinction, you, you have to watch extinction. It's part of a rewatch. Yeah. And I had okay. to do that the other night. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. This is Trek ranks. We don't talk about that. I'm pretty sure that's the first time extinction maybe has come up. on our show. No, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Let's get into our Trek ranks recalibration. What are you recalibrating? Everything. Um, it's, it's a sweeping, uh, a recalibration of all systems. As regular listeners will know by now, general order number one here at the Trek Ranks podcast that we love Trek and we love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started because my favorite thing to do is to talk about Star Trek. But what is that Vulcan motto? Um, infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. Hmm. <laughs> and what is diversity but a celebration of differences and as to poll and dr flox just said trek ranks is basically just a big old celebration of differences there are no wrong answers here it's not about being right or definitive in any way it's just about sharing the things that we love about star trek so we love it all from tos to tng straight through to enterprise and the kelvin timeline and now discovery and short treks as well it's all fair game here on the trek ranks podcast open hailing frequencies Hailing frequencies open. On the And you can find Trek Ranks on the NetAccess interface links at trekranks.com. And you can contact me directly on Twitter at trekranks or at Enterprise Extra. And you can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. Jonathan did it, and now he's on the show. So you should do it too. Send us your picks. Okay, so to wrap it up, Carl and Jonathan, why don't you guys let everyone know how they can get a hold of you on the net access interface, Carl? Oh, you can probably find me uh, the best on Twitter. I am at listening to film. Um, I also have a blog at listening to film.net, and I occasionally will be poking around the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group on Facebook, although I'm not very good at Facebook, so Twitter is probably the best way to get hold of me. I'm also not very good on Facebook. And you can <laughs> hear more about Carl on the recent Trek profiles or a recent Trek profiles, which I have not listened to yet because it just dropped in the last week, and, but I'm looking forward to that one. So, uh, Check out our friends at the uh, Trek Profiles podcast as well. Uh, Jonathan, how about you, man? Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is also on Twitter. I'm at John Fuchsius online. That's like Confucius, but with a J. <laughs> I knew um, that. <laughs> and yeah, just you look me up on there. A couple of great Trek follows on Twitter. All right, let's jump into our level one diagnostic and get into this great topic today. Diagnostic cycle will be complete in 20 seconds. So for our character episodes, we like to ask our guests to give us one word that they think best describes the character that we're talking about. And today we know it is Nog, played by the great Aaron Eisenberg. So it's just a quick way for us to get a feel for how everyone's looking at, at this character. So let's start with Carl. What's your one word that you would use to, uh, to describe Nog? Well, this one took a bit of thinking, and the word I eventually came up with was unconventional. Mm. And 
the reason I did that was, you know, we first meet him uh, in Emissary, the first episode, and he's kind of up to no good, you know, doing what we would expect a Ferengi type character to be doing, you know, breaking into an area and stealing stuff and getting caught and all that. But, you know, as we get to know him uh, early on in the show, he's he's a Ferengi who becomes best friends with a human. Um, he goes to school uh, that's taught by Keiko O'Brien. He hangs out with Jake all the time and he kind of actually needs Jake around for his various Ferengi type shenanigans. He's not naturally inclined to do these Ferengi type things that we would expect a quirk type character to do necessarily. Um, and then, you know, o- over the course of the show, we find out he's not really into this whole Latinum profit idea. He actually wants to go into Starfleet. He has a, a dream of becoming a better person than what he is, which is rather atypical, I would say for a Ferengi. Um, he, you know, he does go to Starfleet. He becomes a cadet. He actually becomes a commissioned officer, but he actually never really loses that connection to being a Frankie. So he's kind of walking two sides throughout the entire show where he is a Starfleet officer who acts like a Starfleet officer, but he also does things in a Ferengi type way. And we might get into that down the road with some of these picks, but um, you know, he's, he's not being taken seriously by certain members of the Federation. He's not being taken seriously by Quark, who doesn't understand why in the world he would go to Starfleet. And, you know, I think to me, he actually represents one of the best character arcs we've ever seen in Star Trek. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do both with the writing, but then, you know, Aaron's wonderful performance that he injects so much nuance into a character that the first time we see him, he's really kind of a fairly two-dimensional, you know, brat, basically. But to go from that to somebody who goes through all the experience he, go, he goes through is just an amazing testament to both his performance and, and what the writing staff did with him. I, I love that word. Unconventional is really, really good. And you touched on this. It's one of the things I discovered kind of watching this or didn't don't think I kind of realized or connected the dots on was how much he uses his Ferengi-ness in his... Mm-hmm. In his uh, Starfleet, it's 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 amazing. I, I love that. That's a great word and a great summation of of his character and his amazing character arc. So, Jonathan, how about you, man? What's what's your word? Carl actually touched on a lot of the things I wanted to discuss with my word. I picked the word adroit uh, because he's oh, that's a good one. He really because is. he's <laughs> he's cunning. He's crafty. He's now just has this way about him to. And you'll see in some of my picks how he's just, he's always one step ahead of the audience and the other characters that you don't really see until the very end. Yeah, that's really well said. He is clever. He's adroit. That is so good. So for me, I, man, I struggled with this because it was hard to, to think of a word that's uh, summarized of you guys have amazing because both of those are fantastic. I love it. So I cheated. And my word is yes. <laughs> so yeah, I cheated. That was Nog saying yes because <laughs> when I kept thinking about one word and Nog, I could not move off of that reaction that he does so consistently through all of his appearances. Uh, and I just I love it. It means so much to me when every time he does it, it's it's just the perfect tone, perfect. Uh, Perfect delivery. Aaron Eisenberg, just amazing uh, in that delivery. And he's got, I just think that he's got so much impact in the show. He's, he's, he was, he touched on 
so many characters with his relationship with O'Brien and his yeah. relationship with, with Jake and, and Ben Cisco, who he obviously looked up to and counted as a mentor and, and, and with, you know, the stuff with Martok who grudgingly grew to respect him. The, the moments with Worf with the, uh, I mean, I love that moment when Kira says, did the kid just cover for him? And yeah, he did. Cause he's Nog and he's awesome. And Rom and Quark and, He's so impactful on everything that happened in this series. It's just amazing when you think about uh, where he started and his character arc, which we've talked a lot about on this show, and, and we're going to get into here. So, um, so yeah, I cheated, and I just went with, with the Nog saying, yes! <laughs> All right, so a final reminder as part of our diagnostic cycle, just, just remember that we, we say this all the time when we do these character uh, episode topics, that it's also... You know, it's episodes, but it could be a single moment in an episode, too. So you might pick an episode that's all about that character. You might just pick a one, one moment. Anything's up for grabs as uh, how you define this. So, all right, let's jump into our prime directives. I do not concur with your captain's decision. She's following our prime directive. Define prime directive. In terms of our prime directive... There are so this this is a pretty finite number of appearances for a recurring character like Nog, and this is the first time we've done a top five episode for a recurring character. So overall, Aaron Eisenberg made forty four appearances on Deep Space Nine as Nog. So that is our canvas to choose from tonight. So Carl, starting with you, how did you narrow down your picks and come up with your list? Boy, uh, this was a hard one, and I actually commented a couple times on Twitter about this. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Nog is not a main character in the show. He's a recurring character and his appearances, he appeared in, you know, you said 40 some episodes, but they're sprinkled all over the place. And I was having these times where I would sit down and I would think of a moment, but have no idea what episode it was off the top of my head because <laughs> right. so many of his great moments are not a plot moments and sometimes they're not even B plot moments. And that was one of the great things about the show. I think was that it was able to weave these little threads throughout the story, which is, you know, great when you're watching a show, it's not so great when you have to pick out the top five <laughs> moments of a character like this. Takes a little more research. <laughs> right. And then, so I realized that, you know, a lot of his best scenes, not all of them, but some of them are in these episodes that have very little to do with Nog or in at least one case on my list, they're not that good of an episode overall, but they have a great moment in there that, that speaks to Nog. So I have a couple on, on my short list that, you know, fit into that category. Um, so what I really kind of focused on were moments or episodes that had a lot of great interactions with other characters. And Jim, you touched on this when you mentioned his relationships that he builds with right. these different characters. And, and, and I wanted to find something that, that highlighted you know, a relationship or uh, some growth that Nog had as a character or a person. And there were a few pretty good scenes and, and episodes, I think, that ended up pushed down to my secondary systems just because I felt they were more about another character that was in the scene with him where he was reacting to something or, right. you know, it was more of a Ben Cisco scene or a Jake scene rather than a Nog scene. So that's really what I did. And I ended up, you know, skimming through. I can't tell you how many episodes trying to find the the, the right moments to pull out. 
I'm so sorry we made you do that. Trek ranks homework. It, we love oh, Trek it, ranks homework. <laughs> it, it, it's the best kind of homework, though. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> um, all right, I love that because there's some of that we'll, we'll kind of touch on where I'm at. But you, you're spot on that it, that there were moments where it's like, wait, what episode was that from? And you had to figure it out. Okay, Jonathan, how about you, man? How did you break down your uh, your list? So when I first got the assignment, uh, I was like, oh. Nog was only in 44 episodes. And then once I sat down to look at it, it's like he was in 44 episodes. Um, <laughs> so that's, there's a lot to pick through there. It actually is it's more than you think. It's, it's a lot. That's yeah. That's a good, it's a good chunk of DS nine's 176 episodes. Yep. So I, I ended up really not, at least when I first wrote up my picks, I didn't really have a specific directive in mind until after I was done, but then it all came clear once I, finished writing up my thoughts and looked back at the list and ranked everything. They're not really in strict chronological order, but they do kind of follow a pattern. Um, Nog was a very richly detailed character. As you all said earlier, he went from, you know, a ne'er-do-well to the finest example of Starfleet and the finest example of his, of his species. Well, well said. And just with my picks too, because he and Jake were so intertwined, especially in the early seasons, we're going to see a lot of Jake Cisco in my picks. All right. That's cool. I was pretty similar here. You just mentioned something about chronological, and that's something I've never done before on Trek Ranks, but I am doing it tonight. And I, I, I will say I found out as I was going through this, I did pick moments much more than I did episodes, which I usually don't do. I did it on uh, the, the Kirk episode, which is our episode zero, where I did more straight moments. This one, I I just found myself drawn to these kind of little small moments of the character, and I put them in chronological because I think there's a narrative here in, in my five picks that that I'm uh, I was really happy with when it just kind of emerged because it's like you said, Jonathan. I was I was just kind of picking things I liked and then saw this pattern and uh, said, all right, that's my prime directive. I'm, I'm doing that. So I might miss some of the bigger episodes, but uh, we'll talk about some, some great moments. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if we have any uh, duplicates tonight. I'm sure somewhere we'll, we'll have some crisscross at least on episodes. If, if not uh, the specific talking points of that episode. Okay. This is great guys. Let's jump into the order of things with third Ramadaclan. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Thank you, Third Ramadaclan. And as always, just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, each of us will reveal our five-word summary and a hashtag to tease our pick. Then we'll let you know our Nog episode title and the moments that we want to highlight from from that episode and why it made our list. And at the end, we will ask everyone for a few secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list and as always if we have any duplicate picks make sure you listen for the defiant torpedoes <laughs> okay carl let's kick this off with you what's your number five pick for your top five nog episodes all right so jim you actually hinted at this first one uh with one of your comments earlier um so five words and a hashtag brave stupid little of both hashtag regulation 82 slash 7b and it's the scene where nog stands up to martok in 
Blaze of Glory, which is season five, episode twenty-three. Yeah. Um, or a couple of a couple of episodes prior to this, um, there's a scene on on the Defiant where uh, Nog's trying to work with Worf, and Martok comes in and basically stands over him and basically ignores that uh, <laughs> Nog is even there. Yeah. And 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 Nog takes this to heart, and he spends much of the B plot of Blaze of Glory kind of groaning and moaning about how the Klingons don't take him seriously. He, this is at a point where he's a cadet um, back on the station and, you know, he, he wants to stand up to him and Martok comes in and kicks him out of dinner with, with Ben and Jake. And, you know, and, and then later on he's in, he's in quarks and he's watching these Klingons headbutt each other because that's what Klingons do. And he says, Oh, well, five more decibels and I can cite them for noise violation. (laughs) And he ends up tripping over his own chair and falls on the ground and just kind of lays there embarrassed. And, but eventually uh, he's walking the promenade and he sees Martok and some other Klingons hanging around on their favorite spot up on the second level. And he's had enough and he goes up and, you know, cites regulation 82 slash seven B and says he's loitering and has to move on. And there's a great scene where Martok bends over because he's so much taller than, than Nog is and says, you know, you're, you're either brave or very st- or stupid. And, yeah. and, Mark, and, and Nog says a little bit of both. And, <laughs> and that just, for whatever reason, earns Martok's respect. And he says, yeah, well, he, he looks at his, at his compatriots and says, courage comes in many sizes, but don't test me. And they leave. And that builds to that wonderful scene at the very end of the episode with, with when he's with Kira and they step out of the, the turbo lift and you, they just look at each other and say general cadet and they just part ways and, uh, and it's good. just a, a display of respect that was never there before. So um, it, it's, it's just a wonderful little beat that I think says a lot about his interactions with some of the other um, members of, of the group there on the station. I, I love this moment. I love that bit of physical comedy. Some of the best in, in Trek history when he falls over in his chair. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Yeah. And, he, and he's, Aaron Eisenberg just kills it. Absolutely sells it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a great one. I'm so glad you picked it. I definitely thought about it. It's it's Nog being Nog and part of his uh, progression. Jonathan, what's your take on this blaze of glory? Oh, that's that is one of the quintessential Nog scenes, and I'm really mad it didn't make my 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 top five. But I every time I see that episode and see that scene, it's just it, it's just a great, well written little not even a Z plot, not even the, <laughs> the A or the B plot in the episode. Just that final grudging respect that Martok gives Nog uh, speaks volume about Nog's development over the course of the show. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. But I think. I think it, it actually is the whole, is it the whole B plot? Just Nog? Yeah, it pretty much is. Because, uh, I mean, there's so much going on with, with Cisco and Eddington that there isn't much room for, you know. It's the it's not like the shared A, B plot story. Sometimes they have like almost equal driven stories. This was, I mean, obviously the A plot was 80% of this episode, but but it was a funny, I mean, it's, it's more of like a filler plot when we really, really boil it That's down. Such good filler, but it's so good. Yeah, it's such absolutely. a great it's the character development. Love it. Love just it. A, just a great moment. All right, Jonathan, how about you, man? What's your number five pick? So my number five pick uh, is from an episode that I, I don't think a lot of people think about when they think about great DS nine episodes or even maybe great Nog episodes, but I really like it. My five word summary is the odd and even days. Hashtag. Dom Jot Jim Rat, season five's The Ascent. Yes. yes. When, he, when he comes back to the station, right? 
That's correct. Yeah. Um, and it it's kind of a little it's a fun little play on the uh, the odd couple format with Jake and Nog. Yeah. But now they're starting to see each other as adults for the first time. But at this point in the series, their friendship has been so carefully developed by the writers and by Sirach Lofton and Aaron Eisenberg. You know that even though that there's going to be this conflict, they're going to work it out eventually. I think the best uh, moment in the in the whole plot is actually at the very end when Cisco says, "Okay, you and Jake, I'm going to lock you in the room. We're not going to let you out until you figure this out." <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just a great little uh, evolution of Jake and Nog's uh, friendship. This is one of those episodes that when it when it came on, and and, and here you're seeing Nog again, and it's like, wow, we're, I mean. Nog is still around. He's there actually like, this is going to be something they just continue to keep doing. And when they had kind of the, the switch of his character. So now he's like the studious, super responsible kind of officious guy as it, as it relates to Jake. Love that. Hilarious. Such a great yeah. little switch that was so surprising to see. Yeah. Um, and it, and he, and he sells that officious, um, self-important error but it doesn't come across as a parody like it's it's a natural evolution correct that is that's actually what what i'll be talking about too that's awesome uh, carl what's your take on the ascent it's it's such a great pick i was it was one of the episodes that i thought of um i'm, I'm kicking myself for not including it on my list now um because i i love your your comment about how it's it's sort of the the odd couple in space um because it it truly is where and and just just the whole reversal of of you know jake being the quote-unquote messy one yeah and you know the to go back to the the five words in a hashtag where you know are we gonna clean every day and he's like no just the odd and even ones i think i love that little exchange there with with the two of them and and what and and it even carries through later when i mean back to the blaze of glory episode right before they go up to martok and they're jake's basically complaining that nog walked in on him with a girl so they're still having that that feeling out period with each other throughout different little bits that are dropped in here but i i I love i like i love the ascent just as an episode period and definitely as as a good example of the nog relationship with jake it was a great way to reintroduce Nog to the station, for sure. Really oh, smart. absolutely. Yeah. Really smart from the writers. Okay, let's go to my number five pick. My five words and a hashtag. You did good work today. Hashtag yes. And it is the Jem Hadar from Deep Space Nine Season 2. And it's Nog and Jake working together on their science project. And the moment that I'm picking is this moment where they're they're just down there working. They're... They're digging into their soil samples and doing their analysis of this planet in the Gamma Quadrant and Cisco. They're kind of giving Cisco the update on what they've learned and what they're going to do the next day. And and Cisco just says, "You did. You guys did good work today. Let's go have dinner." And and when you see the expression on Nog's face and his reaction mm. to this, he is so happy. He's found that there's something more for him and and. For me, I've kind of put as a sub sub note here that he's he's learning that you know there's there's going to be more options for him out there. There's more that he can do than just be your quote unquote standard uh, Ferengi. And I, I love that moment. I love him in this episode. Him trying to embrace other uh, cultures and sciences and knowledge. And it's a it's a really key stepping point for me in his uh, 
in his uh, amazing story arc. So, Carl, how about you, man? What's your take on the Jem Hadar? Uh, this is another great one. Um, I I like how early on in in the episode you you don't expect Nog to be the one that's going to be all excited about doing soil samples and, and things like right. that. I mean, he you know he wants he wants to fire the phasers and right. and, uh, yeah, that's right. and you know but but then but even then you get the feeling he wants to fire the phasers because he wants to just learn how to do it. You know, he's Absolutely. like so excited. He at the beginning he's so excited just to be in the cockpit of the runabout. Like wow, I can right. I can see this. And and this is really, I think, the 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 start of when he realizes that this is kind of what he wants to do with his life. He wants to yeah. become a Starfleet officer, more like the humans, and and move away from the typical uh, the Ferengi way of life. And you know, em, as you said, embracing the, the the human food and rather than eating Ferengi bugs like <laughs> right. would prefer to do. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, it's definitely a, a key stepping point um, along his journey. Uh, I would say to to from where he starts out to where he ends up in the, in yeah, in the show. So great choice. Yeah, Jonathan, how about you, man? What's your take on the uh, the Jem'Hadar? Oh, just I mean, it's a great episode, start to finish. But uh, what you're just saying about oh, it's it's the first spark of Nog making that journey from uh, uber capitalist to Starfleet exemplar. Yeah, especially the scenes like where where Quark's whining, complaining, "Oh, my ears, give me the ointment." You can tell how disappointed <laughs> Nog is that he brought Quark along on his science project. Yeah. And yeah. I and I totally relate to that scene too where he's so excited to learn about the runabout. Uh I'm an Air Force brat That's... and any chance I got to climb around an airplane, I totally am with with Nog on that scene. I just want to learn how to do it. Yeah. And there's and there's also but there's also it, it, it's not like they fully formed him because there's also these scenes at the end where he is freaking out like, yeah, get us out of here. Phasers, <laughs> computer, run. I mean, it was, <laughs> love yeah, those but moments. But he's also, um, yeah. it also shows that is for all of his bravado, he's also still a 14. Yep. I'm going to say 14 yeah. year old. Yeah. That's how old Jake was. Yeah. However old he is, but he's yeah. still a kid. He's a kid. He's still so. a kid. Computer, fly us back to the station. Please restate command. Computer, disengage autopilot and lay in a course back to the wormhole. Enter authorization code. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? I don't know the authorization code. Vessel approaching from the planet's surface. Bearing 173, mark 281. Computer! Evasive maneuvers! Fire phasers! Lost torpedoes! And escape pods! <laughs> Okay, let's go to round four. Carl, what's your number four pick, man? All right, so round four. Uh, five words. Uh, whisper your way to success. Hashtag his name is Edgar. Uh, and it's basically most or the secondary plot of Treachery, Faith, and the Great yes. River, season seven, episode six. And you know, this is kind of what I was getting at earlier when I mentioned that despite the fact that Nog is now a Starfleet officer. He's still a Ferengi and he's going to bring his Ferengi instincts to bear to solve a problem. Even if that problem is one that is a Starfleet problem and that he ultimately needs to solve within the confines of being in Starfleet. Um, You know, here at the beginning of the episode, O'Brien needs to fix the graviton stabilizer on the defiant, but he doesn't have a replacement and he's having trouble with um, the, the requisitions officer, he's kind of low on the priority and, and Nog offers to help. And he goes around and kind of buddies up to, to 
Edgar, the, the requisitions officer, and, and sets up this elaborate scheme that um, anyone who's read Catch-22, he basically goes Milo Minderbinder on everybody. Yes. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he concocts this giant pyramid scheme involving blood wine and an induction modulator, a phaser emitter, and gives Cisco's desk to Al Lorenzo, whoever he yeah. is, so he can take his photo with it. You know? And, 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 and all the while trying to assuage O'Brien by talking about the great material continuum and how everything is going to come to them if they need it. And if they navigate the river successfully. Um, meanwhile, you know, he's, he's tricked O'Brien into giving him his access code. So that's how he's able to steal the desk and steal a runabout and yeah. steal Martok's blood wine. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's still a Starfleet officer and he puts everything back the way it was, or in the case of the bloodline, even makes it better because he gets a better vintage for Martok than the one that his wife sent him. So I think it's a great example of the two cultures of Nog basically coming together and coexisting in a way that solves a problem that couldn't be solved either with just one of them separately. It, had, it requires both the Starfleet and the Ferengi components to work. Yep, that's one of the great ways to define this. I, and I love that Ferengi element of uh, of him doing his work. And Chief, I can't operate under those kinds of restrictions. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> love that moment. This is one of the most popular episodes on Trek Ranks over the last few years. And part of that is because of Nog. And man, we love Nog. I can get you that stabilizer, Chief. In three days? I'll leave everything to me. All right. But don't do anything I wouldn't do. Chief, I can't operate under those kinds of restrictions. At least promise me you won't do anything to get us court-martialed. I'll try. Nog! Just kidding, Chief. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, what's your take on Treachery Faith in the Great River? Uh, I This is just one of my favorite DS9 episodes. Uh, probably my top 15 yeah, the A and the B plot—they just work great. And but for me, the the best part is is Nog and O'Brien's journey to the graviton stabilizer. Yeah, <laughs> even if O'Brien's barely hanging on for dear life. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it wouldn't have worked if if Nog wasn't a Ferengi because he'd never buy that a Starfleet officer in this enlightened twenty fourth century would would do such a thing. Like yeah, Nog to did. like steal Cisco's desk. Right. <laughs> hey, he just lent it to Al Lorenzo. Okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a great way to put it too. Because if they did try to write something like this for a Starfleet officer, you'd be like, "What are they doing?" That's that's really great uh, and natural, of course, because it's franginess. Uh, Jonathan, how about you, man? What's your number four pick? Uh, so my number four pick uh, just came to my list uh, about an hour before we started recording. <laughs> um, it kept it just it kept calling to me on my secondary systems list, and I couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, five word summary is let history make the judgments hashtag looking for martyrdom season six, episode 22 valiant. Oh, cool. I, so this, I, I did not pick this, but I'm so glad you did. Cause it, this is a straight up Nog episode. Oh, it's yeah. Top to bottom. It's, it's Nog and it starts off Nog and Jake. And then it goes fully. We're just following it from Nog's perspective for the last half mm-hmm. after they stash Jake in the brig. Um, it, I think it's a mo- very important episode for Nog's development as a young officer because uh, he finally learns that phrases and words like esprit de corps and duty and sacrifice, they're all, they all sound nice, but they don't mean anything 
if the people who you're looking up to are bad leaders and bad people. Uh, he gets involved with this this Red Squad team that's in way over their heads. Yeah, and uh, and he learns. Unfortunately, the cost of these these young cadets' lives, except for uh, the other cadet whose name escapes me, even though I just watched the episode an hour ago. Um, <laughs> Shepard or the or the captain? Uh, no, the female uh, chief. Oh that's, yeah, uh, I can't remember her name. But he he learns a very important lesson. Unfortunately, at the cost of all those all those people's lives. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, but I mean, but again, more amazing development for a character that they're giving a whole episode to, you know, in season six of a series, which again shows you the impact of, of Nog. I enjoy this episode a lot. It's it, on one side, you can just kind of have fun with it. It's just a fun kind of adventure, uh, standalone story that mm-hmm. that's, that's cool. But it, but it also, uh, you know, it's really good character development for, for Nog and Jake uh, in this one. I mean, Jake's got their their number from the start, but it takes Nog a little while to warm up to it. And I also love how it connects all the way through uh, uh, with continuity from from previous episodes. So, Carl, what's your take on Valiant? I think this is um, a great pick. Um, and on the advice of counsel, I have to withhold comment until later. Okay, we will, uh, <laughs> we, will we will allow it for now. Okay, so let's move <laughs> to my round four pick. Five words and a hashtag. Unofficially official. Introducing Cadet Nog. Hashtag root beer. It is from season three, uh, the episode Facets. And this is the episode where Rom introduces his son. And I I get choked up thinking about this because he literally, it's so Nog passes his test to uh, get into a preparatory course for Starfleet Academy. It's this one where he, it's the, you know, the A story is, is Dax having her Gentara with all of her past hosts. But the B story is Nog taking this test. And at the end, when it just, it's so moving because Rom literally says he, you know, he's yelling, he's coming and everyone's in the bar waiting. And he excitedly introduces him literally as I'd like to introduce Starfleet's future, mm-hmm. my son Nog. And I mean, when he takes that little beat and says it's, you know, and he's right. This is a season three of Deep Space Nine. Starfleet's future is Nog. And it's so, so cool. It's such a great moment. I I love everything uh, involving Nog in this episode. And th- th- this scene after that introduction from Nog has everything in it. You've got excited Nog. You've got him doing his, his grin. You've got Cisco congratulating him. You've got, you know, he's literally telling Nog, Hey, you jumped the gun. I'm wearing this uniform. And he's like sheepishly apologizing. I know, but it's for my father. (laughs) You've got O'Brien in the corner playing dodge, telling Julian that I'm going to have to call that kid, sir, someday. Yep. And then you have this moment where Nog steps up to the bar and for the first time in Star Trek history, he orders a root beer or a root, that root beer is mentioned on Star Trek. And that, you know, is something that became kind of a, a thread through Deep Space Nine, all the references to root beer and Cork walks away and says, it's the end of Ferengi civilization. <laughs> That's all in like 90 seconds. That scene yeah. is absolutely incredible. And for me, in terms of my chronology, this is the episode where he takes 
this first big step on his way to being a member of Starfleet. And so I, I, I love it. I love that moment. It's an incredible two minutes of, of Trek and Nog. Uh, Carl, what's your take on facets? I, I love that you picked this episode. Um, it's it's on my secondary systems. And the only reason I think it ended up there was, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, I kind of put it as a as more of a ROM episode than a NOG episode. Yeah, it um, is. Because there's there are the great moments late earlier in this in when Quark basically sabotages his test and Ron goes up and, and stands up to him and says, you know, you're going to I'm gonna tell Captain Cisco what you did and we're gonna let him uh, we're going to let him take the test again. And he says, you know, my son's happiness is more important than latinum. And, yeah. and really one of the few times early, early on in the show that he stands up and basically gives, gives Quark a piece of his mind. Um, but I, I do love that last scene. You're, you're absolutely right about how, you know, how proud Nog is and he's wearing the uniform a bit prematurely, but what have you. And, and I, I do love the, the O'Brien comment about calling him, sir. Yeah. There's which, which, which kind of, it, it kind of comes up later when you know he keeps calling O'Brien sir, and that's not quite right. And and I forget what episode it is when he's like, "Wait, if everyone on the bridge dies, does that mean I get to be called sir?" And and, and O'Brien says, you know, something along the lines of, "Well, there'll be nobody left to call you sir at that point." But yeah, that was uh, that's yeah. a great moment. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I I love that that last scene. So I'm, I'm really glad you you, uh, you highlighted it. Yeah, that's why I picked it. You you made a great point because this is kind of the birth of Rom too, in terms of like the mm-hmm. the, the new Rom where he's uh, got his own uh, agency on controlling his life, and he literally still. I mean, he and he he says to Cork, "I will burn the bar down," and he meant yeah. it when he said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like yeah. really powerful. Jonathan, sorry man, what's your take on facets? Uh, I didn't even this episode didn't even occur to me because like. Uh, like y'all said, it, it is really more of a ROM episode in a way, but yeah, that scene where he comes in and it's the future of Starfleet and yeah, you know, the Frankie were kind of played for laughs in TNG and they, they did a lot of rehab at this point in the series, but you think it's being played for laughs, but it's like, no, it's seriously like if you only knew what was coming in the next four seasons with, with Nog, you'd realize, well, prescient that comment was. Yeah. It, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's, that is just a great scene. And, that scene at the end where Rom stands up to Quark, that's why he's the Grand Nagus. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely so true. Yeah. He's he's not afraid to make that uh, that call. Uh that's a great point that uh, that introduction of him as the future, because at that point in time, it's season three, you don't know that it's literally this character is gonna actually go on and do all these great things, and it's not a joke it's legitimate and mm-hmm. it's one of the strengths of these face nine. Amazing. Love it. Okay. Let's go to the soup round. Carl, what's your round three pick for Nog? So five words, careful what you wish for hashtag never meet your heroes. And this is season six, episode 22 valiant. All right. Yes. So here we go on valiant. So why did you pick valiant? I love it. So never meet your heroes is great. Cause that's kind of what yeah, this it, is. It, it, it really comes down to a lot of what, what Jonathan already said, but you know, Nog's been idolizing red squad ever since he was at the Academy, going back to the home front paradise lost two-parter. And, you know, he, he was talking about how he wants to be part of it and he wants to kind of cozy up to some of the people and become friends with them and get welcomed in. And, yeah, and, we get the sense that never really happened. And we, you know, maybe red squad got disbanded after Admiral Leighton got thrown in the brig, but who knows? So here they are, they get picked up by a red, 
a ship that's commanded by Red Squad cadets. And, you know, he solves one problem right away, even though he's kind of cribbing from something Chief O'Brien did. And all of a sudden now he's a lieutenant commander and he's chief of engineering. And the sense I always got from this episode was he just gets sucked right into this culture of we're the best of the best, even though they've never really had to prove it to anybody other than themselves. And there's that really kind of disturbing scene uh, middle towards the end when Captain Waters has everyone gathered together and they're talking about going to destroy this Jem'Hadar battleship and they all start chanting Red Squad and Nog joins in with them and Jake just gives them this look like, what are you doing? Like these people are in over their heads. They don't know what they're doing. They're, everyone's going to get killed. And Nog wants nothing to do with any of Jake's concerns. He kicks him out of the, the torpedo room as he's working on the torpedo and Jake ends up getting thrown in the brig. And it actually takes, you know, the crew getting killed in front of him to realize, you know, what a mistake he'd been making this whole time. And it allows Jake and I, I looked it up. It's chief Collins. Yep. That's uh, it. Get into, get into the, the, the shuttle or the escape pod and escape. And there's that great scene at the end that, Jonathan, that you alluded to in your five words in a hashtag where, you know, Jake's trying to struggle. He's struggling with how to write this up and how to explain what happened. And, and, you know, Nog's perspective is that it was all Captain Waters fault. And, and Chief Collins is saying, no, we, we failed him as a crew. And, you know, Nog says, well, why don't you write it up both ways? Let people decide. But, you know, ultimately in his mind, Waters, he might've been a hero, but he was not a good captain. Yep. And, I just think that that's, it's really the moment where Nog grows up, so to speak, from being still a young starry-eyed cadet to finally realizing what this Red Squad thing was all about. And he, you know, the last bit is when he gives back the pin that he had earned, oh, quote unquote. Right. Oh yeah, that's such a great scene. On the ship, he gives it back Collins because he's he doesn't want to have anything to do with this Red Squad thing anymore. Captain Waters was a great man. Dorian, he got everyone killed. If he failed, it's because we failed him. Put that in your story, too. Let people read it and decide for themselves. He may even have been a great man, but in the end, he was a bad captain. Yeah, and I, I just love that, that, but the way that that is some some sort of closure on the early Nog um, cadet slash right when he immediately comes out of the academy. Yep, kind of think you can sum it up any better than that. It, that last line is he. He may have been a hero, but he was a bad captain. So, so true, and a great, uh, great nog moment. Uh, anything to add on this one, Jonathan? Uh, no, I think Carl and I have have uh, covered that pretty clearly. Um, I just, I really want to harp on that that last scene where he gives up that red squad pin. It it really hits home. Really powerful moment. And just because I forgot earlier, let's uh, let's fire off those defiant those let's fire those valiant torpedoes. <laughs> okay, our first duplicate. Let's go to Jonathan. What's your round three pick? Uh, better keep those torpedoes primed. Um, okay. <laughs> my five word summary is, and it's going to give it away. 
Uh, Willoughby, Lorenzo, Bloodwine, Desk, Stabilizer. Hashtag coming through in the clutch. It's treachery faith in the great river. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome five words. So good. <laughs> um, All right, so why did you uh, pick it? I love it. As I kind of alluded to when Carl picked it, it's just a great episode of Deep Space Nine. And even though it's kind of written, at least to me, kind of like a, a lighthearted O'Brien must suffer episode, it really belongs. To <laughs> okay, I've, n- I've never thought about that as an O'Brien must suffer episode, but fair enough. It kind of is <laughs> because it, things keep getting worse from O'Brien's perspective. Right. You, right. you think there's, there's no way they're going to fix this. This was going to come back. His desk is gone. Martok's never going to get his blood wine back. And yet Nog makes it happen. And it's, it's a testament to the writers and to Aaron Eisenberg that we can trust Nog that, yeah, he's got this covered. Al Lorenzo's never going to get that desk back. Yep. That is the greatest <laughs> character name in Star Trek ever. It's so great. <laughs> it really is so good, especially with a, the way uh, Aaron Eisenberg says it. Yeah, Al, Al Lorenzo. 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 <laughs> Al Lorenzo. Uh, so good. All right, any, any final uh, comments on treachery, faith in the Great River, Carl? Uh, I just, I love the O'Brien must suffer because I, I had never thought of that either, but that, that scene when he's with looking so defeated with Rom when he's like, we're talking about being stuck on the river. And he's like, what river? Like the, you know, the great material can, Oh, that river. You know? <laughs> the river will provide. Huh? It doesn't sink us first. And the only other thing I'll say is that I love that this is a later DS nine episode showing Nog, but not in a tough or, you know, He's not fighting anybody. It's not a right. wartime. Yep. Because a lot of the Nog stuff later on is wrapped around the Dominion War directly, and this is a great example of 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 something he can do around the war, but not actually be in the war for a change. We're relying on Ferengi fairy tales. <laughs> what a great continuum. I cannot do an O'Brien. That was my O'Brien. Yes, it was. Okay, let's go to my round three pick. Five words and a hashtag. We're gonna. Well, this will give it away. A letter for Cadet Nog, hashtag Red Squad Request. And it is home front from season four of Deep Space Nine. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Red Squad because this is that moment when Cisco dresses him down and says, it's not a request, it's an order. And he has to give up uh, some info on Red Squad. So first of all, I love this episode because you get to see Nog as a cadet on Earth. I mean, I remember when that happened, when they went, they're setting up this big two-part episode and they get there and there's Nog. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Nog just walked into Cisco's restaurant and he's eating two grubs and he loves being there. And he's, he's like, Hey, Nathan, give me my, my usual. I just love that moment. Jake. Nog. (laughs) Captain Cisco. What do you think? You look good, cadet. You think so? Nog, I thought I was going to see you tomorrow at the academy. Oh, you are? I'm just here for dinner. Nathan, the usual. I didn't know you liked Creole food. I don't. I like tube grubs, and your father is the only person on this planet who can get me live ones. I've been thinking of adding them to our menu. Of course, I'll have to cook them for our human customers. Serve them with a nice remoulade. Cook them? What good are tube grubs if they don't wiggle on the way down? It's this world building in addition of like, man, they are really telling a full Nog 
story here. So uh, the storyline is that he's struggling to fit in and he asked Captain to write him a letter to get into Red Squad. Another moment I love because Captain Six was just like, yeah, I'm a little busy right now. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> changelings just attacked Earth. But yeah, I'll write you the letter. With this scene, you you get the full range of Nog. With he's nervous that you can tell he's nervous at the beginning that Cisco's asked him to be there to begin with. But then he's excited because he's talking about Red Squad and how he's starting to get in with them a little bit because he's Jake's giving him some advice and and he talks about how he knows uh, how their names are supposed to be confidential. But then this is that Ferengi moment where it mixes with the Starfleet because he he says it's not easy keeping secrets from a Ferengi with that classic <laughs> Nog grin. And I love that moment. And then Cisco just snaps. Cadet Nog, you are under the mistaken impression that I'm asking you a favor. I want a name and I want it now. Is that understood, Mr. Nog? Oh, so good. What can I do for you, sir? It's about Red Squad. Red Squad? Did you get me in? Not just yet. Oh, too bad. Those guys are the best. They're the only people I know who aren't afraid of the Dominion. Why is that? I don't know. Uh, they're not scared of anything, I guess. You seem to know them pretty well. Jake told me I should try to get to know them better. Show them that I'm a good guy. And so far it seems to be working. <laughs> the truth is, I think they only like me because I know you. Is that so? You're kind of their hero. The man at the front line in the war with the Dominion. I'd like to meet some of these cadets. You think you could introduce me to one of them? I'm sorry, I can't do that, sir. The names of Red Squad members are supposed to be secret. But you know who they are. <sighs> it's not easy keeping secrets from a Ferengi. But I feel funny telling anyone else. Besides, if they found out I told you who they were, I'd never get in. Cadet, you are obviously under the mistaken impression that I'm asking a favor. I want a name, and I want it now, and that is in order. Understood, Mr. Nog? Yes, sir. <laughs> Nog is a key plot point and then he just snaps too and he and he and he takes care of business with cisco it's uh this is that moment for me when you really pinpoint the growth of the character and you realize wow they are making him a starfleet type person he's a ferengi in starfleet so as part of my progression we've got him learning about the opportunities for Starfleet, taking his first step to get in it. And now here he is in Starfleet and we're actually seeing it and it's beautiful and I love it. Uh, Carl, what's your take on Homefront? Oh, I love this pick too. Um, I I really like these these two episodes and I know for some reason certain people don't care for them as much. Oh, um, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why. Um, but you're absolutely right. I love that, that scene when Cisco dresses him down um, I love the scene earlier when he's talking to Jake because you find out that, you know, he's actually getting along pretty well with the Academy, despite the fact that he's a Ferengi. Cause I remember, cause, cause he's talking about how the red squad is kind of standoffish and Jake was like, well, it's probably because you're a Ferengi. And he's like, no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, which, which is something it's, it's kind of a throwaway line that I really appreciate them calling attention to, because that was always a concern, I guess, among the the main cast as he let, went to the Academy, like are, are they ready for Ferengi in, in Starfleet? And it seems like they are. I, I love that he hangs out at Joseph Sisko and that Joseph Sisko is the only person that can get tube grubs for him that are, are chilled and live. Uh, yeah. I don't know where he gets them from. But <laughs> and, and Sisko's I, eating I and then he that. just like, yeah. when he stops eating, he, he just like, like uh, drops. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> so no, I, I'm I'm really glad this made 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 the list. It was on my secondary systems, but uh, uh, that's I, awesome. I, I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, this moment jumped into my head right away. Uh, Jonathan, what's your take on Nog and Homefront? An outstanding scene and so well acted. It's really hard to. I, I would imagine it's really hard to act against Avery Brooks when he's on his A game, and Aaron <laughs> Eisenberg holds his own with him in that scene. It's it's very very well written. The editing, the directing, uh, it's just just a great scene. And yeah, who knew that Nog would be the linchpin and the first part of this two parter? Mm-hmm. Just a just a great great scene and a and an excellent two parter that. Like Carl said, a lot of people don't appreciate. I think it's one of DS9's best, and it's only gotten better, unfortunately, as crazier as the world has gotten. Well, it's the most yeah. prescient. It's the most prescient episode, and probably ever in Trek, because literally ten years later, you've got nine eleven, and yeah, yeah. And to go off something that Jonathan just said, you know, that I I think it it perfectly encapsulates Nog as a character, and then also kind of, at least for me, the trouble in coming up with this list and that, you know, he's, he is a, the linchpin to the story, but he's in like four scenes in, across two episodes. Right. But those little scenes are enough to have such an impact on, on the entire story, which I, I can't think of many other characters that you could say that about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so true. So true. And that's, that's why his character arc is one of the best in Trek history. Okay, let's go to uh, round two. Carl, what's your number two pick for Nog? Well, I thought we would have to get the Defiant Torpedoes ready again, but I was wrong. Um, so my five words and a hashtag are just looking for his chance, hashtag something worthwhile, and it's Heart of Stone, season three, episode 14. It This is Nog's first, uh, basically request to be allowed to go to Starfleet Academy. Yep. Um, you know, at the beginning of the episode, and, and this is also another example of him playing off of Cisco and in a whole range of ways that he gets to play off of Avery Brooks here, where early on he comes in, he's all smiles. He, you know, doing the awkward handshake all the time to Cisco and he's giving him this, this sack full of latinum and saying, you know, I want you to write a recommendation for me to, to go to the Academy. <laughs> and, and, and Cisco d- does kind of the whole, you know, I'm really busy right now, Log. Like, are you like <laughs> you can't be serious with this? And and he starts testing him. He's you know sends him to the cargo bay and says, catalog all this stuff, even though they just did it. And you know, Nog goes above and beyond and does a fantastically efficient job at it. And their first reaction is, well, did he steal anything? Right. And mm-hmm. you know, they they still don't trust the guy. And it takes that really wonderful scene at the end of the episode when. Cisco is just losing his patience with Nog. Like, why do you want to be in Starfleet? And he actually grabs him by the shoulder and he's like, tell me what you, why you want this. And, and, and it finally comes out. Nog says, you know, I don't want to end up like my father. And he said oh. that, you know, where he's like, my father doesn't have the lobes for business, but you know, he didn't do anything about it. And he says, you know, my dad could have been a, the chief engineer if he'd had the chance to do that. And, but he, he chose to be a quote, good Ferengi instead. And now he's stuck at this bar with his, with his uncle and, or well, yeah. Rom's brother and has no foreseeable future ahead of him at that point. And, you know, he says, I, you know, I, I have my father's hands and my uncle's tenacity. I have something to offer. I just need a chance to prove it. And that's what convinces Cisco to write the letter to, to sponsor his application because he's not a, a citizen of the Federation. And I just absolutely love 
the arc everybody goes through because nobody trusts Nog at the beginning. Yep. Nog is just kind of glad handing the whole time. And by the end, Nog says this incredibly personal thing to Cisco and Cisco completely buys into it to the point where he says, okay, you've convinced me. And the last thing I'll say is that this is the one I was thinking of when I said, you know, there are these episodes like this. I'll just say it. the A plot is not a good plot. <laughs> it's not that good at this episode, but then they <laughs> see this, this incredible B plot into an episode that I, otherwise I would never really think twice about. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad that we, it, this is an opportunity to highlight something that, that probably wouldn't have been highlighted otherwise. I totally agree. And I thought about picking this as well. I, I went with facets instead because this is those story. These two stories really connect, you know, it's the beginning and then yeah. uh, him kind of getting accepted in. So I'm so glad you picked it. And the one thing I will say that I love about this episode, it shows such smart writing because the bad writers would have fallen into the trope of just having him rip Rom because he says, I don't want to end up like my father because he's a, but he's not denigrating Rom when he says that. He's saying, I don't want to end up like my father because he's a mechanical genius and I'm Mm -hmm. proud of him. And there's things that he could do that he chose not to do because Ferengi society led him down a different path. So such good writing. Love you, Deep Space Nine. That's that's an amazing uh, episode. It was definitely on my secondary systems. My father is a mechanical genius. He could have been chief engineer of a starship if he'd had the opportunity. But he went into business like a good Ferengi. The only thing is, he's not a good Ferengi. Not when it comes to acquiring profit. So now, all he has to live for is the slim chance that someday, somehow, he might be able to take over my uncle's bar. Well, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I want to do something with my life. Something worthwhile. Like joining Starfleet? I may not have an instinct for business. But I have my father's hands and my uncle's tenacity. I know I've got something to offer. I just need the chance to prove it. Jonathan, what's your take on Heart of Stone? It's also on my secondary systems list. Uh, that that scene at the end where... No, it, it's not a breakdown, but where he, he finally opens up to Cisco. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's great writing, it's great acting. Again, it can't be it can't have been easy to act against Avery Brooks, but again, Aaron Eisenberg shows why he was such a beloved member of the Star Trek family. Because he does. He goes toe to toe with yeah. probably one of the best actors to ever be on Star Trek, and it's totally believable. Yep. So true. All right, brilliant. I love this. Jonathan, how about you, man? What's your number two pick for Nog? Uh, I think, again, my, my five words and hashtag will give it away, um, but it's not a duplicate, at least not yet. <laughs> my five-word summary is healing, trust, and Sin City. Hashtag, if you believed in me. Uh, it's only a paper moon. Love it. Nice. All-time classic. Yeah. We've kind of hinted at this before. Only DS9 could devote an entire hour in their final season <laughs> to two recurring <laughs> guest characters, and one of them is a hologram. It's impossible that they did that, and they did. <laughs> it's it's just it's perfection. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I appreciated it when I was younger when I first saw it, 
and now that I'm older, wiser, I know veterans who've dealt with PTSD. My dad has counseled them. I think he would endorse this episode fully. I know other veterans that reached out to Aaron and thanked him for what a great job he did with this episode. I just, if I keep talking about it, I'm going to get a little verklempt. So I'm going to stop there. No, it's really cool to, for you to add that extra perspective, John. I appreciate it. That's, that's awesome. And that's what this episode does so well, you know, from a Star Trek angle, it's amazing. It's uh, interesting. The storytelling, the writing, the development of Nog, but you know, from a real world angle, it's an important episode that we know has helped a lot of people. And that's, uh, it's down to, to Aaron Eisenberg and, and his performance and, and the way he brought life to Nog. And it's incredible. I can't tell you how many times a veteran has come up to me and they would say, that show, that show helped me. It helped me when I came back. It helped me get through, you know, whatever the individual was dealing with. And that's powerful. If I can get shot, if I can lose my leg, anything can happen to me, Vic. If I stay here, at least I know what the future is going to be like. You stay here, you're gonna die. Not all at once, but little by little. Eventually you'll become as hollow as I am. Uh, Carl, what's your take on It's Only a Paper Moon? Oh, this episode is, it's so good. Um, and I think we'll be talking about it a little bit more in the next round. All right. I thought there's no way we're getting through this one without yeah. a, a duplicate on it. So let's, uh, all right, let's go to my round two pick. And this one is a deep cut. It's definitely not a Nog episode, but it's a moment I always think about for him. And in my uh, progression, it's now, it's now Nog. So he was at the Academy and we see him in Starfleet. Now we see him in Starfleet and you actually see him uh, putting the work in and it's amazing. He's a cadet. And I just remember when this was happening, like, wow, Nog is the linchpin of what I think is one of the most beautifully filmed scenes in the history of Star Trek. So let me get to it. Five words and a hashtag engine room bridge, more speed hashtag Nog, the communication hub, and the episode is for the yes. uniform from season five of Deep Space Nine. And it's this moment where the, the Defiant comes back to the station and it's all beat up and broken down. But Cisco, we know what mission he's on. He needs to get that ship back out there to get after Eddington. And the communications are down. So O'Brien comes up with the great idea to use Nog and his Ferengi sensibilities to help amplify their... their uh, wanting communication systems. So he's literally relaying all the, the comms traffic from engineering up to the bridge and uh, to all the crew and then every command on the bridge back down to engineering. So he's really kind of in the background relaying all these different, uh, different commands, but it's just cool. And the way, the way they film this scene and the, and the whole ship, the whole crew working together it's really, really beautiful Trek. I, I love it. And I'll, I'll highlight this one little moment too, where he's uh, being, uh, where O'Brien's kind of telling them what, what's happening. And, and someone I can't remember says something about, you know, well, if this will be good if, uh, if things get, uh, get crazy on the bridge and things are exploding and Nog's walking away like, I, sir. And he just kind of mouths to himself, exploding. 
Like, uh, and just, you just know <laughs> it's that Nog moment, right? It's not yeah. just Nog, the Starfleet. It's still Nog. And again, that's Aaron Eisenberg. I know it's in the script, but for him to deliver that line exploding to himself <laughs> is so freaking great. And it's why he is so beloved. And yeah, I love, I love this moment. So I wanted to highlight it in my pick. Let me introduce you to your new comm system. Cadet? Cadet Knock, reporting as ordered, sir. Stand easy. With most of the bridge control functions offline, all orders to engineering will have to be relayed. In the interest of clarity, I thought it best that those messages be relayed with one voice. Mr. Academy here. I figured you'd want somebody who could hear you while the bridge is exploding all around you. Exploding? We may be going into a combat situation. Do you think you're ready for that, Cadet? Sir! Yes, sir! Absolutely, sir. I'm glad to hear it. Report to the bridge. Aye, sir. Exploding? So, Carl, what's your take on this one from For the Uniform? Oh, I, this is great. I had not thought of this moment, but as soon as you mentioned the what episode it was, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Um, I love, actually, there's a couple episodes where they use his hearing as, as a way of basically solving a problem, which I think is great. I think the darkness and the light might be another one, but it just reminds me of, of like the old school submarine movies where you have the people yelling the commands up and down right. the submarine to each other. And that, that's just always the vibe I got from that. I, I, I just think it's great. I love it. Yeah. It really gets that, that feeling. It's super cool. Jonathan, how about you on, on this scene with Nog and for the uniform? Uh, again, like Carl said, not one I had, I had considered, but once you explained it, uh, yeah, totally perfect pick. And I, I do, I really love the old school, you know, relaying commands back and forth feel to it, running the defiant, like a submarine, because they did kind of design it to be like a submarine or have that feel. And that this, that scene really sells that great pick. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. There's one scene where like the engine room is like questioning something, some order of uh, more power or something. And, Cisco's just like, I told him more power. And Nog just says, more power. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. It may not have been more power, but it was something like that. It was so great. Help, bring us about. Get us out of here. Engines at full impulse. Engines at full impulse. Course 180 Mark Zero. Chief O'Brien doesn't recommend increasing velocity through the plasma fields. Objection noted. Now get me more speed. Engine room, bridge, more speed. Okay, let's go to round one and let's get our uh, number one Nog episodes and moments. Carl, how about you, man? Well, you can probably guess what it is. Um, Yep. (laughs) Yes. So five words and a hashtag. Uh, The card's life deals you. Hashtag back in the game. Uh, it's only a paper moon season seven, episode 10. I'm kind of guilty of picking what people might think of as the obvious pick the last time I was on here as well. But I just, I, I didn't want this to end up being like the data episode where somehow um, measure of a man didn't make the list because <laughs> nobody you. thought I would pick it. So I did not pick this because I was hoping you guys would pick it. Right. Obviously we need to have this episode re- represented and, and and we've done that. You guys have come through. And Jonathan said said it best. You know, it's just such a good episode. It's so powerful. The the emotions in here. Um, you know, I love how 
in in fine Star Trek tradition, you have a character who's going through a rough time, and he kind of goes back to his roots in a way where he he's hiding out in in Vic's uh, apartment, but then eventually he says, "Well, let me check out your books," and he starts doing bookkeeping as because he's a Ferengi, and they start planning to build this casino and all this stuff, and it really kind of reminds me a lot of you know, and at the end of season six, where Ben Cisco is back peeling potatoes and Picard goes back to the vineyard after his experience with the Borg. And you have these, you know, we see what the personal cost of war looks like with these, with these characters. And, um, you know, he deals with the anger and being considered a hero. He even punches his best friend at one point. Um, and you know, all, all the credit in the world to Aaron Eisenberg, but I also have to give a shout out to Jimmy Darren. He is fantastic in this episode too. Um, and that last scene, I, I, I can't get through it without getting a little worked up when he finally comes out and they say, you know, are you okay? And he says, no, but I will be. And then yeah. gets a hug from Lita Ram and even Quark kind of gets in there and everything. It's, just, it's, it, it's, it's quintessential Nog. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. not have this on my list. It's quintessential Deep Space Nine and it's quintessential Absolutely. Star yeah. Trek. It's uh, yeah. I'm going to get choked up again if I start talking about it again, but I'm really, <laughs> yeah. really appreciate you calling out Jimmy Darren too on this because he is incredible in this episode as well as character and, and performance. Jonathan, any, any final words on It's Only a Paper Moon? Just that, yeah, that final, that final line where he's, he knows he's got a long road ahead of him, but he, he can, he can see the light in the distance. Um, Right, Eisenberg really sells it. It's it's just a phenomenal episode, and one that it could only work on DS Nine. Yeah, yeah. In many ways, that is true. Okay, Jonathan, what's your uh, number one Nog episode? So we're taking it old school with this one. Um, My five word summary is also probably going to give it away. Uh, Yamak ravages, stem bolts, dirt. Hashtag No J Consortium. Season one progress. I'm so excited that you picked this, <laughs> I, especially at number one. It's so great. Yes. And you're, the number of times that you have him with Jake is is great. And this is kind of the beginning of that friendship. Yeah, that's and that's why I made it my number one, because it's mm-hmm. it's the genesis for all of the character development that Nog is going to go through over the rest of the series. Both parts of the episode are great. I love Curious Scenes with Molobach, but when I first got this this homework assignment, this episode kept popping up in my head repeatedly, so I knew I had to make it my number one. Um, it's kind of a fun floor reversal for us. Uh, this early in the series, the Frangie haven't quite been rehabbed from D- from TNG yet, so it's kind of a fun floor reversal where Jake can see, you know, the forest for the trees, but not can't. He's just so single minded, focused on Latinum, he yeah. can't see the big picture. Yeah. But then by the time Treachery, Faith, and a Great River comes around, Nog has that big picture view that, and O'Brien can't see it. It, I, I love that point. This is a this is really yeah, uh, this is a good stepping stone for the Ferengi culture, to kind of that that fix from from the TNG representation. Outside of all the stuff Cork was obviously doing, but yeah, that's really that's a great call. I like that. Yeah, I just this is one of my favorite DS9 episodes. I come back to it a lot, and I just and and Sirach Lofton and Aaron Eisenberg's chemistry. It's obvious. It was obvious in earlier episodes, but it it makes the episode sing in this yeah. one so absolutely that's, yeah that's cool uh carl what's your take on progress and the the no j con- consortium i i love this too it's 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 one of my secondary ones um it's it's another one of those episodes where i remembered the no j consortium 
plot line, but I couldn't for the life of me remember which episode it was in for a while until I did some digging. But, right. um, and, and I love the fact that this is a great, this is a great Nog episode that would still be a great Nog episode if he had never gone on the journey he goes on. I mean, if he'd never gone to Starfleet Academy, true. Um, I still think this would be, cause this is really like that last scene when Quark realizes who the Noj consortium is and <laughs> yeah. the fact that they have this land and the fact that he actually respects Nog for probably the first time ever in his life. Um, you know, that, that could have gone off to him becoming a quote unquote good Ferengi if that's where they had chosen to take the character. I'm glad they didn't. Right. But it, it really shows that maybe this, this guy is more than just, you know, a troublemaker who gets, you know, caught all the time. I think that, that it, it really shows that he does have a bit of, of acumen, uh, for, for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though as, as Jonathan pointed out, you know, uh, Jake is the one that really kind of leads him that leads him to that point where he's lamenting the fact that he owns dirt and Jake's like, no, it's land. It's not dirt. <laughs> dirt. <laughs> dirt. It's I, dirt. I really love that point too, that this, even if we didn't have the, the Nog arc, the amazing Deep Space Nine arc for Nog, this would be still a great Nog episode, even if we'd never heard from him again. That's, that's cool. It really is true. I still can't see you. What did you say your name was? I'm getting some kind of subspace interference. My name's Wither, um, the Nog and uh, the Nog J Consortium. And we have a hundred gross of self-sealing stumbles. And we were wondering... You have my stem bolts? Uh, what would you want for them? We'll let you have them for... five bars of gold-pressed latinum. Five bars? Four bars. I don't think Three I... Three bars. If I had any latinum, I'd already have the bolts. Would you consider an exchange? I, I would consider one bar of latinum. It doesn't have any latinum. Let's change for something. I don't want something. I want Latin. I, I can't hear you. Uh, can I interest you in a piece of land? Land is good. For what? It's nothing but dirt. Uh, how much land? I can let you have seven tessipes. Seven sounds good. First yamak sauce, then stumbles, now tessipate. And still no profit. I'm excited you picked this for, for a bunch of reasons. And one of those I'll relay in our uh, regeneration cycle. But that is an awesome, awesome pick. Great episode. And it is a comfort food episode for me, too. It's one that I go back to a lot. It's just just an easy watch. Very enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to my number one pick. Another deep cut to, to conclude my kind of theme here. And now we are seeing Nog as a seasoned officer and making the hard choices and, and the real choices. My five words and a hashtag. Cadet Nog impresses upon Garrick. Hashtag. I won't turn my back on you again. And it is Rocks and Shoals from Deep Space Nine Season 6. And it's this moment where Nog is walking with Garrick as they're out kind of surveying this planet that, uh, that the crew have crashed on in their Gemini fighter. And... Garrick notices that Nog is distinctly lagging behind Garrick. Every time he slows down, Nog slows down and he stops and basically says, what are you, what are you doing? And Nog just says, I, and this is a great continuation from the episode Mpok Nor, which is on my secondary systems and other, some more great Nog stuff. And that's the episode, of course, where Garrick takes Nog 
a prisoner and threatened his life. And, and Nog just says, you know, listen, what, what, what happened happened. And I get it that you were under influence, but it happened and you can either stay in front of me or walk beside me. Cause I'm never turning my back on you again. <laughs> and Garrick just says, cadet, there may be hope for you yet. And I love <laughs> that moment. Cause now here's Nog making that, uh, that, kind of call that you would if you were the Starfleet officer. And I, and I love this, this moment for Nog and for Garrick. And I love that episode uh, to say the least it's top six over at uh, our deep space nine Trek rank. So Carl, what's your take on rocks and shoals and this moment with Nog and Garrick? This is another great one. Um, it's, it's an episode that I thought of very late in the game and I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, unfortunately, but I do remember that scene. And I think it's, it's a great example of both of those characters coming, like interacting in a way that feels completely normal and natural to the and and authentic. Where yes. you know, like as you said, you have the history there, recent history, and and Garrick's response to that is so Garrick. It, it's it's <laughs> it's it's perfect. Um, and I and and again, this is another one of those things that they just couldn't do or wouldn't do on other Star Trek shows. This is something that. They would, I mean, for example, you know, when, when Chief O'Brien was possessed by the creature that claimed to be from the Essex and was assaulting his wife, like nothing was made of that ever again. Right. Um, Whereas here, you know, you have, they actually are are willing to do continuity and and tell a story where that affected him. And he's, he still is, I don't know about friends, but he's, he's, he works with Garrick and is willing to do that, but he's, he's not going to forget this experience anytime soon. I won't turn my back on you again. Yeah, it's amazing continuity. Obviously, those other, the other shows were kind of built in different ways. And but what Ira Stephen Bear did with Deep Space Nine is that that kind of forced its that it, no one was looking at, and they got away with stuff like this that uh, is is impressive for sure in terms of their continuity. Jonathan, what's your take on uh, this Rocks and Shoals pick? Oh, I'm I'm glad I got included because it's it's my favorite episode of that Dominion War arc. Mm-hmm. And that scene with with Nog and Garrick just kept coming up, and it's it's on my secondary systems list. That's cool. Yeah, just just great little scene. Uh, their their interaction is so authentic, especially the continuity from Empok Nor. Just a, a great little moment, and an otherwise pretty heavy episode. Yeah, you know it's funny because I didn't have this in my notes, but I just remember because I didn't rewatch this before. I didn't have time. I watched a bunch of others, but I. I just realized there's that moment later where they're being held prisoner by the Jemadar and, and Nox just a- answering questions with his, uh, his serial number. And at one point, Garrick just jumps in and tells the truth. And Nog's like, what are you doing? And Kivon, the Vorta is like, yeah, he just saved your life. So <laughs> yeah, be too hard on him. The great stuff. Great character. I love these lists. Uh, it's, Like we said, it's a celebration of Nog and everything that Aaron Eisenberg brought to this amazing character and to Star Trek. So let's uh, let's rattle off a few more in our secondary systems. Carl, what do you what do you got that we didn't uh, highlight at this point? Well, I have a few, and and most of them we've touched on in some way or another. Um, Some of the other ones that the the one that I really wish that just kind of got edged out is the magnificent Ferengi yeah, where dog sure. has to train the other Ferengi and it's, it just does not go well. And, <laughs> so, and, and I, and I also love the moment when they're trying to recruit Nog and they say, you could be our strategic operations officer. And he's like, you mean like Worf? 
And that's kind of what gets him on board with the entire um, outfit is, oh, is that he, so he like the wharf of the groove. Two other ones. Um, the, there's a wonderful scene between Quark and Nog in the siege of AR five, five, eight, where he, where it's really more of a Quark scene where he's talking about humans and how they're wonderful people, as long as their bellies are full and their hollow suites are working. And he's trying to basically convince Nog that he really shouldn't put his lot in with, with this group of people and, and Nog wants nothing to do with it. Um, and he basically rebuffs Quark. Um, I, I just think that that's one in a line of really great observational scenes that the Frankie have towards the human race that are sprinkled throughout the show. Um, and then the last one that, that really broke my heart to not include was almost, I would say the entire episode of in the cards. Yes. Um, so just, it's just such, it's just such a fun <laughs> episode uh, and another great example of the chemistry uh, between Jake and Nog and especially the, all the stuff with Dr. Geiger and their reactions to his ludicrous ideas and things. And I'll, I'll say, honestly, if I was doing straight episodes and not the moments that I kind of landed on when I was doing my prime directive, all three of those would have been on my list. Magnificent mm. Ferengi, the siege of AR five, five, eight. Yeah. And in the cards, uh, all just, so special and they're all uh, just great 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 nog episodes i love that you you highlighted them i thought of another one that isn't really an episode but i really wanted to call attention to it and it's basically the interviews that aaron eisenberg does in the what we left behind documentary mm-hmm. and and the glimpses we get of captain nog um in that yep on, on that uh, episode that they spitballed uh, in the writers room well i'm glad um, you just, brought I'm, i was going i'm going to mention that when I, when i rattle off mine too so that's, okay that's, okay uh, let's end with that but that's awesome uh, i'm glad you thought of it as well jonathan how about you man any uh, episodes you want to rattle off uh yeah and i have a few so uh yeah. my apologies wow. um, <laughs> more the better in addition to the other ones that i i mentioned in our picks that i put on my secondary systems list i wanted to highlight the nagus Especially yep. that scene where Jake is is teaching Nog how to read. Great moment. Oh yeah, uh, just yeah. A, just a great little moment. Um, the siege of AR five five eight, of course. Nog's injury plus that scene earlier when when Quark's trying to talk some sense into him. What Quark thinks is sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, the storyteller, another Nog and and Jake caper. It's the sweetest and most benign political intrigue that DS nine ever had. <laughs> it's it's really the B story yeah. of that is a, is a great episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, in the cards, of course, and the the rigid was it the rigid imperialists of orthodoxy or whatever the uh, the soulless minions of orthodoxy. Soulless yes. minions of orthodoxy. I love in that because every time Nog just keeps saying, or we could just tell your father that we're trying to do something nice for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be out of this mess. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my last one, I'm going to cheat. What you leave behind with Knox promotion leading into the documentary. All right. I love that you guys both thought of that as well. So let, we'll just talk about it in a second. I'll rattle off some of mine. I, I mentioned Empoch Noor. That was on mine. One little ship we didn't mention yet. I, I love Nog in that and the, the work he's trying to do. And then he, he doesn't actually uh, succeed in his task, but he thinks he does because, uh, <laughs> because uh, Dax and O'Brien have, have maneuvered something, and he's like, yes, I did it. <laughs> it's so great. 
Also, I'm going to give a shout. We didn't talk about Little Green Men, so I just need to quickly highlight that one as yeah. well. There's probably some mm-hmm. others we've missed. I think most of them on my list we've mentioned now. The last one I'll say is let's give a quick shout-out to Carr, the Kazon that he played in the Voyager episode, Initiations. <laughs> I actually really enjoy that episode. I think it's kind of a just a fun little uh, action-adventure story, and it was cool seeing Aaron in a in a different role one time in, in Trek. And now let's talk about season eight from Deep Space Nine and Captain Nog. My God, I love seeing that. I've, I did the review on this for, for Trek Core, and the highlight of my review is that, listen, I love the remembrance and I love the celebration of the series, but for me, basically, episode one storyboarding of season eight, that's canon in my head. That is... Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah, want to yeah. see that one hour of TV more than anything I could ever imagine. And Nog is the centerpiece of this thing. And we and not sure if we should talk about the spoilers or not for people who haven't seen it, but it's... Uh, yeah, let's maybe we, maybe we don't. I think everyone who's seen it knows knows what happens but it's all predicated on Nog and it's sad, but it's glorious too. And this, and it's, it shows you how important Nog is that they, that they make that decision and that move to bring everybody back together. It's, uh, it's amazing. Can we also then kind of do a shout out a little bit that this didn't come up, but in, in the context of Captain Nog is that we actually see Captain Nog in the visitor. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's right. We didn't where, talk about that. Where, that's great. Yes. Where he's, he's leading the, one of the missions to try to save Benjamin Sisko and ultimately fails. But um, yeah, that's but yeah, a, listen, if we do get Captain Nog in, in an actual episode, at least. Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that Jake Sisko went on to write the book and Anselm I I believe he did. Um, the answer is no. He did go and write it. Everybody knows that, which also means there's a Captain Nog. So yes, <laughs> I love that. I'm glad you you thought of that, Jonathan. What was your take on that season eight stuff? It just shows uh, how much love and respect the writers had for Deep Space Nine and for Nog, knowing that that was the one character that could bring all the others back. You yeah. know, after 20 years. Seriously, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Carl, any final takes on uh, season eight and Captain Nog? Just that I would have watched, if they spent 12 hours in that writer's room, I would have watched all 12 hours of them spitballing. Um, just just oh, absolutely. to see. I know. And, and, and it struck me just looking at the, the people that are in that room, just the, the quality of writers that this show had. And the fact that they just get back on that horse and are immediately able, I mean, I don't know what was edited, but they're able to so deftly go right back into the show. Um, it, it was incredible to me and, and I'm so glad they did that. It, it was, it, it was something that you wouldn't have expected to see in a documentary. And I'm just glad that somebody thought that that would be something they could do. And, and I'm glad they pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, it's special on its own. It's special for all of us Star Trek fans. And, and, you know, now when you put it in the context of, you know, Aaron Eisenberg's passing, it's, it's that much more special that we, that we have that. And that's a yeah celebration of, of him. So amazing. He's in his nog, such an important character in the, in the history of Star Trek. And I'm really glad we were able to do this episode to, to honor that, that memory and that memory of Aaron Eisenberg and his in, incredible work and what, what he gave to us. So let's, uh, all right, let's recap it all in our regeneration cycle now. And we'll, and we'll talk about some of the stats that uh, emerged and trends that emerged from our picks. 
Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Carl, let's start with you. Why don't you uh, recap your five picks? All right, so number five is the episode Blaze of Glory. It's the scene with Nog standing up to Martok. Number four, uh, Nog helps O'Brien with a problem in Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Uh, Number three is pretty much the entire episode Valiant. Number two, Nog petitions to be admitted to Starfleet Academy in Heart of Stone. And number one, Nog's recovery following the siege of AR-558 in It's Only a Paper Moon. Fantastic list. So you had one from season three, one from season five and season six, and then two from season seven. Uh, Jonathan, how about you, man? Why don't you break down your five? All right. Uh, My number five pick was uh, The Ascent from season five, the odd couple B-plot with Jake and Nog. (laughs) Uh, Number four, The Valiant, Nog's first uh, encounter with bad leadership and what it takes to be a good leader. Uh, Number three, Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Nog pulls off one of the most convoluted capers you'll ever see, and it works perfectly. (laughs) Uh, Number two, uh, It's Only a Paper Moon, one of Deep Space Nine's best episodes. And my number one pick was Progress and the Noje Consortium's business dealings. Fantastic list. So you had one from season one, five, and six, and two from season seven as well. So that's a great list. I will break down my five here. My number five pick was Nog and Jake working on a science project together on the Jem'Hadar in season two. My number four pick was Nog taking his first big steps towards getting into Starfleet in facets from season four, sorry, from season three of Deep Space Nine. My number three pick was Cisco dressing down Nog to give him some Red Squad information in Homefront. And this is Nog actually in Starfleet as a, as a cadet on Earth. And my round two pick was from For the Uniform where Nog is putting his Ferenginess to good use as the communication hub uh, in season five of Deep Space Nine there, working in Starfleet as a cadet. And my number one was from Rocks and Shoals, where Cadet Nog impresses Garrick with his I won't turn my back on you again from season six of Deep Space Nine to show how much he's he, how far he's come in, uh, in his amazing story arc. So mine was more about moments. And I had, uh, I actually had one from season two, three, four, five, and six straight through. Didn't even realize that until just now. Okay. So let me break down some stats here. We got some, some pretty good numbers here with three duplicates. And this is why I was happy you picked progress, Jonathan, because we had, one pick from every season of Deep Space Nine. And I love that fact. And it shows you the strength of this character that every season was represented at least one time mm-hmm. uh, from a recurring character. That's, in- that's absolutely incredible when you, when you stop to think about it. So we had one pick from season one, season two, and season four. We had two from season three. We had three each from season five and season six and season seven led the way with four picks. So that is super cool and a great way to 
to highlight Nog's impact on Trek. And then I'm going to, we talked about this at the beginning, like how many characters he impacted. So here's all the characters that basically all the moments that, that we highlighted in our picks that featured uh, other characters. So there was one with Martok and there was one with Garrick and there was one with the whole crew from my for the uniform pick. And then we had two each with Vic Fontaine and O'Brien three with Cisco. And of course, uh, Jake led the way with five scenes. So just amazing that, uh, you know, six or seven characters are highlighted as, uh, Nog working with them and just wanted to highlight more of his impact and everything he, brought to to this great character Aaron Eisenberg and in our celebration of Nog really really great uh, conversation guys I appreciate it so let's uh, let's jump into our temporal causality loop now before uh, before we close out the show Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop and I suspect that something similar may have happened to you And for this week's Temporal Causality Loop, we're going back to episode 64 and our top five DS9 underrated, which is appropriate that that lined up for for this episode when we're celebrating Nog. Of course, Nog wasn't submitted on any of these lists because he is not underrated. We know that. So so we had two great lists came in with pretty much a full five words and a hashtag. Well, one has a five words and a hashtag and one has description. So I'm going to read off these two because I love them. The first was from our buddy, the Borg, Ross Webster at Star Trek 1701. First up was his round five pick was for our production design element. And his five words in a hashtag was Kamala's prophetic prosthetic aesthetic rejected. Hashtag ode to spots. And it's the trill makeup switch that, the, uh-huh. that they made. So his production design element was them switching uh, Kamala's uh, spots to uh to dax instead of having her have a, a prosthetic number this is classic ross uh last his uh underrated character was still all speculation and theory hashtag garrick wax vrenak it's stephen mchattie and his performance as vrenak in that famous scene it is his, not a fake That's <laughs> it's fake. not a fake <laughs> his number three is his dabo round was Five words, once you have their money, you never give it back. And it's the rules of acquisition, which is so great. <laughs> nice. <just> so many, nice. <laughs> so many that, great man. moments for that. His character, his underrated character, five words and a hashtag, you are the other Cisco, hashtag series irregular Jake Cisco. So that's cool. <laughs> that's very appropriate for this episode. And then his number one underrated episode, Bread the Arrive, seen earlier, hashtag away with words. And it's the episode Babel, of course, which uh, is an awesome episode and an awesome, crazy five words and hashtag. Love Ross. <laughs> All right. And then I love this list that we got from Daniel Martin at Dr. DSM because his number one pick is one of my least favorite episodes ever. And that is awesome. <laughs> so his, uh, his production design element was the Bajoran militia rank insignia and uniforms. And he wrote in his tweet to us, the level of detail that went into elements likely never visible on screen is kind of staggering. Love that. His underrated performer was John Colicos as Core. Did some of his yeah, best work of his career nice. on Deep Space Nine. Season 7's Once More Onto the Breach is a masterpiece. Love that. 
His Dabo round pick was the Jem'Hadar Alpha subplot from One Little Ship, which is a super cool pick. That was a cool introduction uh, idea for the Jem'Hadar. Number two, oh, I love that his underrated character, and this is a great throwback to our uh, Magnificent Frankie, which did not get picked today. He picked Eliminator Lek as his underrated character. Oh, nice. such a great dark character. Such a great character. And he said, and his description here is that it was valuable to see a Ferengi break the stereotype and so fun to see a competent warrior among Quark's odd gang, someone who could plausibly kill a Jem'Hadar through skill rather than blind luck. I, I love that. Super cool. And his number one episode, one that is ranked very low on <laughs> DS9 Trek ranks, he says, can there be any debate? Season, it's like he's trolling me, I think. Season three's fascination is a hugely fun ensemble episode <laughs> that could only work on Deep Space Nine, like a warm, comforting blanket, endlessly rewatchable. It never fails to make me smile. <laughs> okay, Daniel, <laughs> I'm going to go rewatch Fascination just for you. <laughs> and, uh, take oh. it. <laughs> too funny all right two awesome lists uh tell me how it tell me how it is i will i'll let you guys know how my rewatch of fascination is all right so once again those lists more than enough to get us clear of this week's temporal causality loop so as always i want to thank everyone again for all your great responses to trek ranks Keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks or, uh, or at Enterprise Extra on Twitter so I can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five NOG episodes or any list from our past shows. Call us at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 at 609-512-LLAP. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks and on the next episode of Trek Ranks. We are going back to the well of my favorite Star Trek topic. That's right. It's our Scenes in Trek series. This will be our sixth version of Scenes in Trek. Thus far, we've done Scenes in a Turbo Lift, Shuttlecraft, Jeffrey's Tube, In a Brig, and On Location. And in contrast to our Scenes on Location, our next episode is going to be our Top 5 Scenes in a Cave. That's right. You heard it right. There are a million scenes in Star Trek filmed in a cave, whether it's on location or, or on the Planet Hell set. You have the entire canvas to choose from, a Star Trek top five scene in a cave. Carl and Jonathan, if you had to choose one Star Trek scene in the cave off the top of your head, what would it be? Carl, what do you got, man? Oh man, this putting you on the spot. <laughs> putting you on the spot. I'm I'm gonna cop out and go with the mind meld scene with the Horda from Devil in the Dark. Oh, that's such a good one. I haven't thought of that one yet. I haven't really started brainstorming yet. That's yeah, I, I I immediately went to the Planet Hell stuff and I went, wait that that's a good because you know I couldn't remember which episodes were which in some ways, but definitely dang that it, scene. Dang it, Carl! That's my favorite episode. I'm gonna have to pick that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's spectacular. Okay, Jonathan. You know I, I'm. I, this this has become my favorite part of Trek Ranks is asking the guests to come up with one off the top of their head of our next topic. So, Jonathan, what do you got, man? Scenes in a cave. Scenes in a cave. Um, the first one that immediately sprang into my head was um, Chain in Command Part 1, uh, the failed mission yes. to mm, yeah. uh, the fake Cardassian base. Um, there's just so many. Um, those, those sneaky metagenic weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rocks and shoals, the, the interrogation yeah. scene. 
Yep, that's a good. Oh one. yeah, sure. yeah, that's a good one. You're, you're not afraid of bats, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've that's got the- quite a. I've got quite a few I can think of off the top of my head, but yeah. and for sure. Uh, those two that you'd mentioned, Jonathan, popped in there, especially that chain of command one. That that one's very memorable for some reason. So, all right, great job. So before we wrap it up here, uh, uh, obviously a huge thanks to Carl Wonder and Jonathan. Great to have you guys on the show. Any uh, any final Trek subspace communications you guys want to relay before we uh, take off, Carl? Uh, no, just if, uh, you know, had a great time as always. Thanks for having me back on. And uh, if anyone wants to chat Trek or pretty much anything, hit me up on Twitter at listening to film. Love to hear from everybody. Love it. Jonathan, how about you, man? I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed your, uh, your Trek ranks debut. Oh, this is, this has been so fun. Thanks. Thanks so much for, for having me on. And I, I look forward to sending in more lists in the future. And thank you guys and, for that. And uh, if you want to talk Trek or really anything, uh, considered, you know, nerdy or geeky uh, <laughs> at John Fuchsius online. It's the easiest way to find me. Love it. All right. Well, this is normally where we sign off, but I'm going to, I got one more little highlight. I want to, uh, want to spring on everybody. Just give one more. We've already talked about it, which is great. I was hoping this would come up naturally and, and it did. So just one more shout out to the great work of, uh, of, of Aaron Eisenberg here. So it's, it's obviously such a sad loss and the, the celebration of his work since his passing has been really uplifting, I think for all of us and super inspiring. And I know that at some point in the 24th century, there's a chief of operations on Deco's prime old Al Lorenzo is posing for a photo right now, a hollow photo behind the desk of another famous Starfleet captain. And that is officer captain Nog. There's really no doubt in my mind that that happened in the 24th century. So, so I just, I love the thought of uh, Captain Nog and, and Al Lorenzo adding him to his, uh, his collection of. of yeah, Nog. absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Nog was a hero. Yep. Full stop. Love it. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. So, and, and thanks again, everyone for engaging with us here on episode 69 of the Trek ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Don't worry, Chief. I didn't give away the captain's desk. I just loaned it to someone. Who? Al Lorenzo. Who's Al Lorenzo? The chief of operations on Deco's Prime. And what does he want with the captain's desk? He wants to take a picture of it. Why? He likes to collect hollow photos of himself sitting behind the desks of famous Starfleet captains. Uh, Usually he just sneaks into their offices, but with the war on, it's been hard for him to get away. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. He's got quite a collection. Captain DeSoto's desk, Captain Picard's... Okay, fine. Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it.
when I look back about what I left behind, all I see are seven years of, of joy. I mean, I, I had such a wonderful time. That seven years changed my life. It didn't just change my life because I was part of Star Trek. As an actor, I had so much fun. It was such a joy to play that character. Nog was like, he was so parallel to my own life. And I don't think, I don't know if you knew that. It was almost because you guys were there, somehow you picked up on who I was and you put that in that character. Because his life was, was literally parallel, but just amplified, because Nog was amplified as a Ferengi. You know, I, I went through a kidney transplant at, 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 at 14. When I was 17, I got into acting and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I, and I made that choice, which is outside the norm of our regular society. Nobody, people, parents are like, oh no, don't go into acting, go be a doctor. And I did it because I fell in love with it. And I thought to myself, I don't know how long I've got. I don't know, I might have four years, I might have 10, but I'm gonna fucking go for it. Cause I don't know where it's gonna take me. And I wanna know that I at least tried and I did. And every time you guys call me, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm working. I'm, I'm, my dream is coming true. And not only was I working, but you guys were giving me great stuff. I had a great cast. I had a great crew. I had great production. Every time I worked, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is the life I set out for. Nog went through the same path. He went through the same path. He was in something, he had change. He said, I wanna go for that. He went for it. People gave him that chance. People gave me a chance. And that's what, I, and I don't even think I left it behind because I always carry that love for the show with me wherever I go. And when I get to go to, to Star Trek conventions and meet the fans and they say how much they love the show and then I see their kids that are 10 going, oh, Nog's great, I love Nog. I'm like, man, look at this, I'm part of this. I will forever be a part of this. And that's, no one can take that away from me. So when you ask me what I've left behind, it's hard. I, I can't think I left anything behind because it's still here with me every day.